Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Greetings. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Bridget. Along with me is Braxton Hunter. And we're excited today because uh, Keck Keck started the show off right by saying, and I know he was joking, we saw that, but he said, uh, you're, you're going to hear some claims and claims are not evidence exactly. So... We're looking forward to hearing some claims, but but know. again, I this guy is Jason, wonderful. Vundaba. What else am I supposed to? I don't know what else to say to convey my gratitude to you. If you were here, I'd hug you. But this is unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Bridget, do you have anything to say? I'm speechless. We love. Thank you so much. We do love you. We we appreciate that support. It's going to. We need to do a behind the scenes so they can see where all this stuff is going because it actually looks like, you know, the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, and it didn't look like that when we started. It started with a laptop, right? So and a, yeah, and uh, uh, this little webcam. No, the webcam that I'm using that people are complaining about. They're like, "Why is your stuff on Trinity Radio Extra in like 480p?" And I'm like, "I don't know what I'm doing." So <laughs> that's cause the reality is to, that's an extra camera. Yeah. Oh, the one in your office, you mean? Right. Because yeah. this one's pretty bad, too. Yeah. Uh, well, I but, make it look good. So. <clears throat> but it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you're here. This is the Christian channel that loves atheists. We also love everybody else except Satan. Got no love for Satan. No. Um, and uh, what we're going to do here in this video is we're going to take a look at... Or cats. Uh, yep. Also true. Although I don't feel the same way about cats as I do Satan. Um, That's close. <clears throat> But somebody else here. Oh, man, substantial super chat. Thank you so much. Just because I like hearing from Jason Statham. Oh, I think Pritchett Prime rules. All right. Thank you so much. I do, too, by the way. And so not so so much the Statham thing that we already covered this issue a bit, because recently, for those that know, there was a series on Trinity Radio that was 10 questions for atheists. I made a video, 10 questions for atheists, and then atheists responded, dozens of them, and then uh, I went through, or Pritchett and I went through, but depending on the video, and made 10 videos responding to what atheists had said about each of the questions. The last question was, if it was demonstrated to your satisfaction that the Christian God exists, um, so that you you believe now, it's a, it's a fact of reality that the Christian God is real, <clears throat> then would you repent of your sins, trust in Jesus as your Lord, and, and worship Him? And we covered that a little bit, but... Uh, Matt Dillahunty was asked that question recently on the atheist experience, and I've heard him give this sort of a response before, but it was basically a bombastic, well, l- let me temper this a little bit because he does say in the clip something like, um, you know, I, I don't, I, you don't know what you do in that experience, but the most moral thing would be not to worship him. And then he had some expletives for the Christian God, um, in setting up for that, let me just play a, I just want to play a clip. A real quick front that I played here before where 
an atheist was real honest about this question. Not that the others weren't honest, but I mean, he was, let's say this. He was much more realistic, I think. And uh, here's what he had to say. But there are some atheists who try and play the Billy Big Bollocks card with regard to this and say, well, if God exists, I'd tell him to go F it off. You know, you know, I'd tell him, right, that, that's, I, I don't know, I never know where that comes from. Right, that kind of false courage. There are real life dictators, tyrants, terrible, terrible people on earth who hold people, you know, they will torture you, they will torture your family, they will watch your family, you will make you watch your family be tortured unless you do what they say and people do what they say. But the, the, the threats that they can hold over you are finite, right? If they torture you too much, you die. If they don't torture you too much, well, you're going to die anyway, right? The, 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 the amount that they can do to you is finite. As I understand it, the punishment for, for not doing what God wants you to do is not a finite punishment. It's far worse. It's an infinite. The punishment just goes on forever. It never ends, at least in, in some, the view of some Christians. Right. And a sort of more traditional Christian view. It, it's, it's beyond horrific. Um, people don't stand up to these tyrants. They give in. They'll they'll commit atrocities themselves if they need to, unless they think that they can just quickly die, have a quick bullet to the brain or whatever. Some people are courageous enough for that. The idea, you, you've either got to be sort of naive or have zero imagination uh, to, to really understand what's at stake here, to think that you would face down the Christian God and not do exactly what he told you. I just love that clip, Pritchett. Yeah, I do too. Well, <laughs> the the reason I like it, it, it seems honest. It's like it, it's taking the thought experiment seriously, right? So I, I can appreciate that because he, he he's right in a sense um, that it is God can be quite terrifying, you know. So. Yeah. Um, and so, so with that, let's move in now to this question from Matt Delonte. And for those of you who say, yeah, yeah, I'm in that category. I'd, I'd face it. Okay. Well, there's a couple of things that would need to be considered here. If your understanding of hell is something like, um, conditional immortality or annihilationism where you die and you're just dead everlastingly, like you're never yeah. coming back. So like there's no conscious experience. There's no ongoing suffering. Um, if that, if that's what you think then maybe you would be willing to face down the Christian God, although I've still got questions about that. Right. But on the other hand, if what we're talking about is the type of eternal conscious torment that most of these atheists have in mind, which is not even the one that most of your Christian thinkers have in mind, which is, um, yeah, you're, you'll exist everlastingly and it won't be a good existence, but it's not literal flames and literal uh, fire and all that. But most of these atheists talk about it with the literal flames and fire and, and those sorts of things. A billion years of your face melting off and you're just getting started, right? Yeah. If that's what you have in mind and you're telling me on principle that you would face down the Christian God, I can't say that you're not telling me the truth, but we're going to get, we're going to unpack this more. I, I'm saying basically, like he said, use your imagination. Like really that you're telling me basically what you're saying is, there is no one in the history of humanity more courageous or more a person of their principles than I am, which also is like the biggest brag I've ever heard of. So, uh, so maybe it's true of you, but, um, 
we're going to get to some problems otherwise uh, from this. There actually are several points that I want to make with this, but let's go ahead well, we and thank a, a, a super chat that we got. Yes, that's right. Thank you for reminding me, Dr. Yeah. Pritchett. Um, and that is from thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, who gives uh, 99 cents from thank you, Jesus, with a pile of poop with a face. There you thank go. you so I much. I love the poop emoji. That's, the, my, that's my joke. I like it better that it describes them through this software. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Did I put the Dilla Hunty clip? I sure did. Here we go. Let's go in now, Pritchett, to the live stream room. You know, when, when I'm presented with, with the idea, you know, and, and I am an atheist, but if, if the Christian God presented himself to be real and you know, let, let's taking a, a literal view of the Bible, you know, everything, uh, basically his law being corrected and, and all this and that, and me choosing not to follow him, though I don't agree with him, um, I feel like out of fear of, of hell and eternal torture, I would have to, to capitulate. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to get into this in a minute, Pritchett, but um, one of the things that I want you to notice this guy's question is very simple or his statement. He says, look, here's my problem. I'm an atheist. I think he said he's an atheist. Mm -hmm. I'm an atheist. But if the Christian God were, if he, if it was demonstrated, he was real. And I've got like literal, he specifies maybe before this clip, but elsewhere in the video, literal, like the Bible's taking literally, which I'm taking him to mean like um, in, in the, in the ways that maybe a fundamentalist would look at it. Um, the six literal days of creation, literal fire and torment and hell and all those kind of literal, literal worms that never die, literal fire and brimstone, all all that whole thing. If that's, if that's the thing he's saying, I just, even if I didn't agree, I think I would bend the knee because I mean, who's going to face that, right? Mm -hmm. That's the question he asks. Matt will reform and represent that question uh, slightly differently, but let's hear that. Why? Word go along because I feel like ultimately, if I'm, if you know, granted, I don't agree with it, but it's like if I'm gonna roast in hell for eternity, I don't. I, I feel like, especially just in the moment, I'm not gonna be able to not to to not because it it'll just be too severe. Okay, of, if somebody. If somebody held a gun to your head and handed you a knife and told you to stab your child in the heart with that knife, and if you didn't, they were going to shoot you, which one of you is going to die? Is that at all the question that the guy asked? This is Matt trying to give a parallel to this. That in no way represents the question. Me. Yeah, me too. If somebody hands me a knife and puts a gun to my head and says, stab your kid, and I don't even have a kid, so stab your fictional kid in the heart, or I'm going to shoot you in the head, I'm going to let them shoot me in the head before I kill another person. Why does that change just because uh, my life is over? Why should what the moral position does change or what I'm likely to do change just because it's a God threatening me with a gun? I think that the well, I think that the di- I, I think that the difference is that for one, there's kind of a you know whether or not I choose to follow God to follow this hypothetical God to acknowledge 
Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, what have you. Me refusing to do that doesn't it, it doesn't do anything besides put me in hell for eternity. So he, oh. you know, his law would therefore stand no matter what. No, you're saying that if God came to you and said, slaughter your kid or I'll kill you, that you would do it. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. I, okay, well, then that's where I'm confused because, would, so hang, hang on, Aaron. If God comes to you and says, slaughter your kid or I will kill you, you're going to say no to God? Well, if he said, slaughter, slaughter your kid or I'll kill you, and there's not, there's not the whole fear of eternal torture wrapped into it. Um, like no, let's say there is. Dying. Let's say there is. Let's say there is. Okay, before we go on, j just notice here what's happening. Pritchett, are you following? Here's what's happening. This this guy has called in and said, I don't agree with the Christian God, but if I found out he's real, I don't know if I could resist the temptation to bend the knee when I know that there's literal fire and flames and horror and torment forever. Okay? Seems reasonable enough, and we, we look back analogy. to the Noel Plum. What uh, what Matt says, you're saying that if God told you that you're to stab your kid that or you're going to die, you would do it? And he's like, no. What? No. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. And let me make it very clear, because atheists love to ask this question, like with the whole Abraham thing, not that that explicitly is brought up here at any point. If s someone... Did Abraham stab? If some, No, Abraham didn't. Right. And probably so the whole point of that story was to differentiate the God of the one true God from false gods of the countries around them that did require child sacrifice. It was a very like exclamation point way of saying, look, this God isn't like that. You thought he was, you were willing to worship in spite of that, but this God isn't like those gods. And of course we, the reader are privy to things that Abraham would not have been privy to. Right. But anyway, putting, putting that all, all aside, um, I'm going to answer this question because people ask all the time, what if God told you to kill your child? What would you do? What if God sent an angel and told Braxton Hunter, you kill one of your two daughters. Um, this is a command of God. I would tell that angel to go back to heaven. There's no way I'm going to do that. But you know what? I don't believe that's it's in one sense, a nonsense question because I don't believe that God would require that of me. And secondly, here's another thing. What a individual person might do speaks not to what the right thing to do is. Right. And of course we can test, um, gospels by angels or other men. We can test out information like God says to do this. Well, I think that's kind of inconsistent with what I know about, uh, Jesus. So I don't think that, that you were sent. So yeah, I don't think that would happen, but what I do think will happen is one day these people are going to face judgment because everyone's going to face judgment as a, uh, you know, because the Christian God exists and he's going to judge everyone. And so this scenario, even if you don't believe it, if you're going to buy into the scenario that you're going to one day face judgment, there's no point in changing the analogy. Um, the first guy got it right. You know, if you're going to take the analogy seriously, you got to answer it seriously. Yes. Uh, Alex Bertucci, I guess. Bertucci? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm saying what I would do. I'm not saying what's the right thing to do or not. I think Abraham was faithful to his God. The, the fact is at that point of, you know, that we're, that we're leading to the penultimate moment of the story. Mm -hmm. That's when God says, guess what though? There's good news. I'm not like that. 
I, I appreciate that you are faithful, but I'm not like those other gods. I'm different. And that's kind of the, the, the point that we want to draw out. Um, but, uh, but, but anyway, when we get to this, uh, this thing with Dillahunty, now the question becomes somehow, I don't know if it, it almost feels like maybe Dillahunty wasn't paying attention for the first part of this question, but, but now that he, he gets, okay, would you kill your daughter? If not killing your daughter, you're going to go to eternal conscious torment. That that's now what they've turned it into. Now, first of all, we don't have enough information for this hypothetical anyway. What's going to happen to the daughter once I kill it? Is she going right. to eternal conscious torment? Uh, you know, Paul said he'd rather uh, face judgment for the sake of his kinsmen. So, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't. You need we need more information. What happens to the daughter? But right. we don't get that. And here's what ends up being said. God says, "Kill your child with this knife, or I will torture you forever in hell." Are you saying that under that circumstance you would kill your child? That's a big one. If my yeah, but, was gonna what, be but let's set aside, let's set aside, Aaron, what we think we would do because neither you nor me have been faced with that, and I I can't say for sure what I would do under any circumstances. But as a hypothetical, right? What would be the most moral thing to do? To kill your kid or to willingly be tortured forever in hell? So the most moral thing to do would be to just take, you know, take one for the team, <laughs> and, sure. you know, just not, not kill the kid. Um, so if that's the most moral thing to do, why is it that you think that I would be wrong to say I would do the most moral thing? Now, hold up again. We're reframing here because the guy called in with the assumption. I disagree already with the Christian God. Right. Like, I don't agree with his morality. I'm upset now that I found out that he exists, but I would do it not because it's the moral thing, but because of absolute terror. Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. Here's, but here's, that's again, not the question the guy's yeah, asking. And here's a, I, I'm all for hypotheticals. What would you do? I like hypothetical situations. You know, you can, you can learn a lot of things by running through various scenarios. But as a former Christian, Matt should know what kind of hypotheticals would be realistic because he would, even if you want to use an Abrahamic example, you know how that story ends. You're a former Christian. You've probably heard the story many times. You know Braxton's response to it. You know that this is not a realistic thing. So I'm all for hypotheticals. But if you're going to be critical, why don't you give a realistic hypothetical? And I think that this caller has done a better job at framing the question correctly, at least with if you're going to put on the Christian robe and, and wear it for the sake of a hypothetical at least he framed it right i don't think that that matt wants to answer the question that was asked because because that's that's a i think that gives away too much it concedes too much you know in his hypothetical yeah and i, I don't want to dodge anything look um i don't uh, mind hypotheticals but at least where's where's the guy at least have an appropriate one like the color had oh why don't you actually answer my question about whether this action could ever be considered morally correct? I think what he means is God commanding Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. <clears throat> yes, under these circumstances, you have absolute 100% control over the, over the situation such that you can prevent it from happening, and it's merely a test of faith for Abraham. Yes, yeah. under those circumstances, there's nothing immoral about it. It's like you're trying to teach your kid not to touch the stove, and you say, Hey, go touch the stove. And the moment they go to go touch the stove, stop, wait, wait. Here's why you don't touch the stove or something like that. You know, to, to teach a lesson as an object yeah. lesson, to test 
um, yeah. whether someone's going to do what you say for, and, them, for them to know whether they're going to do and what Abraham you say. had to have some idea because obviously if you're having a conversation with God about this then obviously God exists and you know that he's capable of delivering his promises because Isaac was a child of promise <clears throat> so if Isaac's going to die Abraham had to know that God was still because he had the child Isaac he had to know that still God was going to be faithful to his promise and that his descendants would be as numerous as the sands of the sea. So he had to believe that God was going to do something. Yeah, in fact, he tells his... Like, did you raise just say, him from the dead, he, even. He told his servants that were there with him, that went with him to the mountain. He says, we will be we'll back. go up and we'll return. Right. So, so he, he, he And then the author of Hebrews takes that. Am I right, right about this? Takes that to mean Abraham knew that this was going to happen that way. Yeah, so... So that, he either that believed Isaac that he would be stopped or he could resurrect him. or that, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. But it turns out this was a foreshadow of Jesus for God, mm -hmm. not killing Abraham's son, but his own son. Mm -hmm. Right. He sent Jesus to die on the cross and raised Jesus from the dead. So in fulfillment, actually, to that very promise. So there you go. I've really come to like this Kevin O'Connor. He says he wants to just point out what I did point out a moment ago that. Matt did say, and this is where he said it, that he doesn't really know, you know, ultimately in that situation, what would a person do? But in the hypothetical, he's saying, no, I would I would not do it. Yeah. And I and he later says in this clip, we're going to see, he says, I think if we haven't already passed it. He says, I, I don't think I would worship that God. This is what I think I would sure. do. Yeah. OK, so let's uh, let's keep going. Well, I think my, you know, where where at least where I felt like, like we've, like we've disagreed in the past is more on the, you know, it, it, when I've heard Theus say, you know, if God hold up, I think I've missed this Nathan Van Sickle. Thank you so much for that super chat. It really means a lot. I'm going to tell you something because of the appreciation I have for you all. I don't want to speak ill of anybody else. But when I hear people on other channels, like the hosts of the channel say, uh, thanks. Thanks for that donation. And they just move on. It's not good enough. You are doing something that I never expected anyone would do. And so right. every single time I'm blown away, shocked all the same and hardcore appreciative. Yes. Um, but thank you so much. Supporting all right, let's, let's get it. God is real and he shows himself to be real. Will you not capitulate um, if he does? And I, I understand the position that if he did show himself to be real, we wouldn't be happy about how he is with things, how he, how his law. Hold on a second. We've got someone, Gannon, Gannon, Gannon is challenging us saying Abraham did not know that he believed God unquestioningly and was going to kill his son and would have, if God did not stop him, that's that not, is the same hypothetical here. That's not what, that's not what we, we didn't say. Otherwise. We said he, he either, he, he, we said that all he knew is he and Isaac were coming back down. Yes. And because he that's what he told his servants. Because Isaac was the child of a promise that he didn't think that he was going to have either. You know, I mean, he did the whole thing with Hagar and, and Ishmael, but God delivered on his promise one time. He knew that God would have to do something in order that the promise would be fulfilled because obviously God has built up uh, a, a a history with Abraham that he can be trusted unquestionably to go through with it if he had to because he believed something. He knew something that God would still be able to God would do some promise through Isaac. Yeah. So, so no, he it could well have been that his son died, but in such a case, God could resurrect. So, if that you son. are a former Christian like Matt, make the hypothetical. Uh, like Braxton said earlier, we don't have all the information. We don't know the conditions of what happens to the child if, if you were to actually go through with it. But 
again, that doesn't under that, that misunderstands. See, I like the caller's hypothetical because at least it's it's within the Christian uh, worldview of a plausible scenario that at judgment this or that he has to change it to something that we hit it off up front can sound kind of similar to the Isaac uh, and Abraham thing, but it's not. So <clears throat> if you're a Christian and you know the story. So. All right. Um, oh, look at this. Look at this. Everyone, all you atheists, listen. Kevin says, I honestly feel like royalty on this channel. Braxton, Pritchett, and Trinity Radio really do love atheists. We really yes, do. Yes, we love you, Kevin. And you had to go through a little bit of a baptism of fire because I think we gave you a really hard time a couple of weeks ago. But no, he was give, he started the show giving us a hard time. But we but then he was like, I, I'm being cool, man. But I'm we were never that. thinking yeah. that you were cool. We razz everybody. Like I still don't think that Nick Quint got away with that snide little comment about me being. Oh yeah, do a happy dance. Did you mm. see this? Nick Quint says, uh, if you are truly thankful, you would have Prime do the happy dance. We all want to see this, please. I, I don't know what a happy dance is. A dance a that appears person. happy? Um, yeah, I'll get back on that. I need to I can do the safety dance, but I don't know the happy dance. What's what's a happy dance? Nick, I'm you'll sure have to, they'd demonstrate, all love to demonstrate a happy dance. I've seen him dance before. Yeah, we've showed clips of me dancing on Trinity Radio before. I, I have know, no problem man. dancing. I don't I know think, what a happy dance is. Well, let's see you dance But Nick, then. I'm not. Let's I, see you sorry, dance. Sorry, but I, uh, my zinger's still, still land, buddy. Doesn't matter how much I work out. You're just jealous. All right. Um, okay, so... Hey, look at there. There's another super chat. Yeah. What's going on? Can you review the Dillahunty versus Samuel Nassan debate on prophecy in the Bible? Dillahunty said a prophecy has to be specific, not cumulative. So I haven't actually watched... I, look, here's the thing. I kind of... A lot of people kept telling me, look, quit quit covering Dillahunty. You know? And so I did. Uh, this is this and a couple of weeks ago when we did a bunch of different atheists all at once is the first time in months I've come back to Dillahunty. I haven't even seen that debate, um, but I do like this topic because I think prophecy goes unnoticed among a Christian apologist too often. Uh, so I'll go check it out. And uh, and if I think I can uh, make some helpful comments, I'll do that. Yeah. All but, right. Um, but yeah. I, I want to reiterate one more time. What? The caller seems to have a better grasp of the kind of hypothetical that makes sense within a Christian worldview more so than the former Christian Matt Dillahunty trying to change the hypothetical. And so and I'm not against hypotheticals, but if you're going to give a criticism of the Christian God, do it within a proper Christian worldview. All right, let's keep trying. Because we disagree with it. However, if he did show himself to be the supreme ruler and a moral thug, and he can basically do with souls as he sees fit, um, I, I I think my challenge is just really like because I've heard you say like I wouldn't support him even if there was this whole threat of eternal damnation and I feel like that's right. um, it just in my opinion it seems like it might be a little bit um, not well uh, accounted for because I feel like I would I've accounted for it twice in this episode alone and both callers have ultimately agreed with me on what the most moral position is. And you seem to be, you're just like, oh, well, I just can't believe that you would actually do that. Well, tough that's what I believe I would do. And until it actually happens, we'll never know. But I can tell you that we all agree on what the most moral position is, which is to tell that God to go himself if he tells us to come kill our children. Okay, there's the whole clip. Um, we're gonna go back now out of the live stream room. 
So uh, a couple of things before we jump into this. Jamie Russell says, um, I have heard people suggest Abraham could have thought his son was the promised seed. Thoughts? Well, what I have to say about that is, all I know is that Abraham understood that God was going to do something great out of his family line, and uh, that he and that Isaac was the result of that. You'll, you'll remember, as Pritchett pointed out a moment ago, that um, when God made this covenant, um, it didn't take long for Abraham to think, well, God's old and senile. I need to help him out. And so I'm going to take this concubine, you know, Hagar, and sleep with her and conceive. Actually, you know... The, you know, Sarah's it was Sarah's idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then he and then this happens and then you have Ishmael and that created all kinds of drama in the household between Sarah and um, Hagar. And 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 of course, it, it, you know, Hagar and Ishmael end up sitting out in the wilderness. And it's, it's just a whole thing when he should have trusted God. So by this point now, he's 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 trusting God. Right. He's faithful. Um, and he knows that God can do amazing things and God's going to bring descendants out of my seed that are going to be like, you know, the stars of the sky. So anyway, um, Pritchett, anything to add to that? No. Okay. Thank you for that super chat, Jamie Russell. So appreciate you and fantastic beard. All right. Um, now I have some thoughts, some further thoughts that I want to make on this, uh, video that we've been looking at. Well, you know, regardless of, of whatever Abraham thought, Paul seems to say that the seed, which is Christ. So, <laughs> and one of the most obvious, like explicit things stated there in Galatians, you know, yeah. where he, where he says this, um, look, uh, first of all, we've already talked a little bit like about, I'm not actually sure. I believe Dillahunty because he even says, you're right. Like, I don't know for sure what I would do, but he does say here at the end, I don't know if you caught it. He says here at the end, that's what I believe I would do. Come on now. I mean, that's easy to say for Dillahunty. Why? Because if I take Dillahunty to be telling me the truth, that he doesn't believe that the Christian God does exist, and I have every reason to believe he is telling me the truth about that, he doesn't believe this scenario is ever going to play out. Right. And so it's a little bit like Andy, Andy Armstrong, who works here. When Ronda Rousey was doing really great in the UFC as a female UFC fighter before Holly Holmes clocked her and she lost... She got it all in her head, and now she can't win, went to the WWE or whatever. Uh, but when she was on top of her game and was beating everyone, uh, Andy Armstrong here in the office said, I, I believe I could take her. You give me six months, I could, I, could take, I could take Ronda Rousey. Easy to say. You're never going to face Ronda Rousey. Of course you could speculate that you could beat Ronda Rousey. Uh, this is a, this is times a billion what's going on here with Dillahunty. Dillahunty does not suspect he's ever going to have to face God. Um, and so it's easy to say something like that, but in reality, I think something like Noel Plum's, uh, Noel Plum's response is more closer to the truth. Yeah. And it, see, yeah. well, he did concede. He doesn't he never wants to say what he would do in any given situation. He just said, this would be the most moral thing. Um, and he does, no, but he says here at the end, this is what I believe I would do. Right. But here's the problem when you don't, it's, if I was to play a hypothetical, like this, okay? We can't use the Christian God because we have to be consistent with Christianity if we're going to use the Christian God. But if Cthulhu, <laughs> right? <laughs> so Cthulhu exists. Woohoo! Thank you, Miss Titus. Oh, I was I wasn't going to cut now, you look, off, but yeah, yeah. Look, everyone needs to go subscribe to her channel, and we seriously need to bring her on our channel at some point. Yeah. But, but um, y'all go subscribe. Thank you. How so did much. you discover Miss Titus? Huh? How did you discover her? I discovered her through Adam Coleman. 
She's not a Trinity student, though. No. Okay. She should be. But. <laughs> We're going. But, hey, but, look. But, shout out to you. But and she Adam says, and well, actually, Adam and MJ said, "Here are all the people you need to go uh, know subscribe about. to." Yeah, and so I, I I I did that because if people don't tell me to subscribe to a channel, I don't because I I don't get on YouTube a whole lot. But I'm a I'm a subscriber to her, and of course, you need to subscribe to. Uh, Vision United from Chris Featherstone, Mr. Phil Fox. You can go see my recent episode on there. Uh, and, no, hey, look. And this of course, is, True ID Apologetics. Yeah, I'm not wearing the course. shirt. So when you watch Th this, Adam, I'm sorry. I'm not wearing the shirt again. This but. is Miss Titus's moment. I know, but... Quit talking about all those other people. But especially hers because, you know, she's awesome. Well, and she just gave us $20. <laughs> but that's not why she's awesome. See, that's what I'm no, saying. No, it's not. That's it right. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's awesome. I wouldn't have highlighted her channel. I would have just said thank you for that super and, chat. And by the way, but uh, now that I, but I mean, I wouldn't have if I didn't already know she had a good chance. Yes, and and uh, we wish her all the best in her studies of Greek because she's learning Greek right now. And she says, please place this in the Dillahunty swear jar. <laughs> Lol. God bless you guys and this channel. Yes, thank you, Miss Titus. That's, that's you are a friend of Trinity Radio. Yes. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Uh. There's a lot of good comments here. Um, there are some. I saw one question about long hair. Okay, let me I, get right I, back to finish. Wait, 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 wait. Me, Ivan J oh. says, "I'm a man with long hair. Okay. I don't believe it's a sin. I don't either, and I have no personal convictions over it. However, I worry that it might pose a stumbling block to others. Here's Your my thoughts. thoughts. It's uh, a stumbling block of envy to me. Yeah, no, I mean, true. Braxton used to have long hair. The the I day did. before I loaded the U-Haul to come to Trinity Radio, my hair was down to my shoulders. Okay, um, now I I don't think it's a sin. And of course, what Paul's talking about in first Corinthians, uh, you know, that's a, a cultural thing. Other people in the Bible, including Paul himself, probably before his Nazarite, before he shaved his head, long hair, but in Corinth, it might've been a thing, but look, um, it's not a sin, but it can be, there are scenarios where it could be a stumbling block. And here's why I say that the day before I came to become a professor here at Trinity, I had hair down to my shoulders, but the reason why I cut it off is because a lot of our students are older than I am. Right. And older than I was when I first got here almost seven years ago next week, by the way. Um, and I didn't want that to be a stumbling block to where they looked at the long haired guy and say, I'm not listening to what he has to say. I have no idea whether or not anyone would have ever felt that way if they would have cared or not. But I figured I should look. No, it was longer than that. Uh, I, I, I should. Spit it out. Yeah. I thought that I should cut my hair and not chance it. What? Plus, I would make I, I would I would provoke him to jealousy, and I didn't want to do that either. But yeah, no, my hair that's that's not how long it was. There's actually a better picture of me with long hair that has the actual long hair from New Year's Eve on my Facebook page. So if you're my Facebook, yeah, page, I'm not I'm not doing that with the big goofy glasses and and all that. Yeah, that's a. Okay, let's get back to this. So yeah, there are there are places where it could be a stumbling block, and there are places there are also contexts where I think it could be a plus. Whoa, where is it going to be a stumbling block? I just you weren't. I don't see where it's. Where going did to I just say it was a stumbling block? I wasn't paying attention. You I was looking for attention. a picture of it you with long hair in the context of me being a professor that nobody knows. Oh yeah, you professor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I even if it wasn't going to be for. 80% of the people, I didn't want to chance it. But there are other contexts where that's uh, actually a, a, a bonus. Braxton, people aren't sent to hell. The gates are locked from within, so it's false hypothetical. Thank you for the super chat. 
Um, here's another super chat. Uh, yeah, is hey. it a sin for me to randomly quote Jonathan Pritchett at people? Thank you for the super chat. Never. Well, it depends on the quote. But. Oh, come on. I don't have that. I, no, everything that I say for public consumption is kid-friendly. Okay, let's get back to this Dylan thing. I have more that we need to cover. So okay. not more video, but more comments on this. Yeah. So we talked about, I actually don't know that this is true. This is like uh, you're just trying to puff yourself up. I, I don't know. that He may really believe this, okay? I'm just saying I don't think it's realistic. Yeah, I don't um, think it's realistic. It's certainly not realistic to me if, it, if that was his response not to the hypothetical where God says stab a kid, but to the hypothetical, the that, real he was hypothetical. A, the, that he was originally given. That was given clearly. Yes, that was given clearly. There's no way in the world anyone is ever going to say that. Even And I think the first guy nailed it. And he thinks that's all phony because either A, you're not taking, you're not taking the hypothetical seriously enough, which means why are you doing it? What's the point of the thought experiment if you're not even going to take it seriously? Why have a thought experiment at all? Or two... You're inconsistent with your own views of who this God is and all the horrible things you have to say about him if you think that he's the kind of God that you're actually going to be able to open your mouth and spew that kind of thing to him in the first place. So that seems to me to strike me as inconsistent. So it's either inconsistent or okay. dishonest or you're not even taking this seriously, so we shouldn't care. Okay, the next thing is, and I pointed this out to Dillahunty directly in our debate, but when he does this, okay, Pair this with his other comments. So, so like, he talks about that this God is, like, um, playing hide-and-seek and all this stuff, and he and here he's telling us he wouldn't worship him even if he showed up. Okay, but one of Dylan Hunty's favorite things to talk about, and there's, in fact, there's a video where he actually, like, I think it's, like, one of the only times I've seen where Dylan Hunty is actually asked by a university to come speak somewhere, and he's talking about divine hiddenness. And why isn't God more obvious? Well, of course... That's a subjective thing. I mean, I, I think it's objectively true that he's revealed himself, but but what someone takes to be good enough evidence is going to be specific to them. Um, Romans one twenty indicates that it's clear from creation that there's a God, um, so that you're without excuse. So I, I do think it's obvious. I think that every physical object or topic in existence could be used as a part of a good reason to believe that God exists. However... If you're going to say something like the divine hiddenness thing, and then you're going to say that um, that you wouldn't worship this God even if you were convinced that he exists, it does detract a little bit from the divine hiddenness when you give it. Now, it doesn't take away from the argument itself. I mean, I don't want to commit the fallacy that all these atheists are committing about. Well, the Kalam's terrible because William Lane Craig says he'd believe you know, even if he didn't have the Kalam because of the Holy Spirit. William Lane Craig's opinions about the Holy Spirit have nothing to do with the success of an independent argument in the Kalam. And Matt Dillahunty has nothing to do with the success of an independent Schillenberg argument on divine hiddenness. But what when Dillahunty brings an argument from divine hiddenness, as if to say, if someone could meet this, it would present me with good reasons. Well, then what needs to be pointed out is this rings a bit hollow because of two things. Number one, you wouldn't worship God even if you came to believe that he actually does exist. So why would God bother giving you that kind of evidence uh, that you're looking for? Second, uh, God, you know, God has revealed himself in a specific way that you're not happy with that and, are, and, and want him to reveal it in exactly the way you want. Is, is that I mean, God's God. He doesn't have to do that for you. And then third, what I really want to point out here is, and it's connected to the first thing I mentioned, God according to scripture for this, the Christian God does not just want you to come to believe that he exists. The demons believe, right? He wants you to believe 
in the sense of believing on him, to uh, trust in him, to worship him, to spend eternity with him. So, uh, Pritchett, any thoughts on that? Obviously, I wasn't paying attention because I'm getting calls from the same number from Arkansas, and they're leaving voice messages with nothing on there, but I'm hearing crazy stuff in the background. So, Okay, another thing I want to say then is number three. But you made not listening to things. This seems to run against Dylan Hunty's understanding of morality. As far as I understand it, what is he indicating he would do and he thinks is the moral thing on his morality? Now, this is a humanist morality. Let me let me just sketch this out. It's a humanist morality. We've done this a lot on this show. Dylan Hunty specifically has described his morality this way. It's like a game of chess. The, the, the game of chess is subjective. The goal is subjective. But once you have the subjectively chosen goal of chess, which is to checkmate your opponent, then there are objectively better and worse ways to get to that goal within the subjectively created game, right? And if you don't want to play chess, that is, if you don't want to take part in humanist morality, then it's not true that you should do or shouldn't do things that Dillahunty thinks you should or shouldn't do, Right. And what is the goal for humanist morality? Human well-being. Now, Pritchett, are you with me? I'm with this you is now. one of those hold my root beer for a moment. Because here's oh, what I want so you Baptist. to here's what I want you to understand. If the goal of Dillahunty's morality is hold human is human well-being, and he is encouraging people that the right thing to do if the Christian God is about to send you to eternal conscious torment then the right thing for everyone to do is to face down the Christian God and go there on principle. Which, here's the question, what is the subjectively chosen goal of humanism? Something like human well-being. Mm -hmm. What is hell, especially eternal conscious torment hell, the very opposite of human well-being? Right. It would seem that, interestingly, Dillahunty should actually encourage you to bend the knee because that would be the best thing for human well-being, given those circumstances. Yes. And that is how you demonstrate an inconsistency within someone's worldview while wearing the robe of their worldview. Yes, indeed. The thing that Dillahunty can't seem to do. We had some super chats. Yeah, we do. I, I just had to get that out. I thought that was a really great point. <laughs> it was a really great point, and it complimented my point well about Yeah. Because I totally heard your point. No, you didn't. But that's how you... you didn't. Well, you, no, you didn't hear my point about the uh, hair. $5 Super Chat. I'm sorry, but Dillahunt... Okay, I'm reading a comment here. This is not me saying this. This is me reading a comment. I'm sorry, but Dillahunty is insanely rude. I'm agreeing with he the comment. He speaks with so much anger, especially isn't he... Uh, he means in the Samuel debate. Samuel Nassan. It's almost impossible to debate him online. It is impossible to debate him properly online. Yeah. You have to be face-to-face -face with him. Uh, yeah, moderated. Yeah. Um... But I agree with your assessment, even if Braxton doesn't. Benjamin Handelman says, My sister, who is getting close to Christianity, was further motivated by a vampire discussion video. Miss Titus, too, was in. She deserves an extra shout-out. She does. And let me tell you something. She's, she's talking about vampires? She's talking about fraternities and so That's they, awesome. They get all the cool stuff. We say atheism, 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 atheism every week. Her show, The Bible Bro Down, I'm jealous. You're bored with it. You're bored with atheism. They're like the least important critics of Christianity out there. In the real world, there's more people into vampires than atheism. Um, okay. Look at this. Benjamin also says, Adam. it all adds up to Adam Coleman and Jonathan Bridget have given me a lot to help her along that video on Monday 
was uh, great for her. Yeah. So it's not like you've done some good stuff to help someone. Every now and then it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Every now okay. and then I rise up to the occasion and do okay. something good for other people. Oh, and big shout out to all the Trinitarians who helped Zamo. We, we yes. appreciate everyone who contributed to that. Uh, What's his channel? Something about tea? Uh, Theology and tea with uh, ZC. This might be semantics, yeah. but shouldn't humanists change their name to personist? They care about persons, not all humans. Example, abortion. Thank you. Point taken. Yes. Thank you for that super chat. There you chat. go. That was a well worth it super chat. Not that unborn are persons, <laughs> but are, are not persons. They are persons too. But When are we getting... Trinity Radio to the channel of those furries. Well, I am not going to comment on furries because that is, this is a family channel. But I will say this. There already is a Trinity Radio too. It's called Trinity Radio Extra. Yep. Go subscribe. Yep. All right. So back to the still hunting. I think I have one more thing to comment here uh, before we just go strictly to questions and answers um, or questions and attempts and answers. Number four, I have. You get the hard one. So, so number one, I don't actually think this is realistic what he's saying. Number two, it it sits awkwardly with his continued oh, use of divine hiddenness. Yeah. Three, it seems to run against his own morality. Yes. Um, and four, the real issue here is that there are many atheists who actually do hold open the slight, though it may be, possibility that they are going to have to answer this question one day. Mm -hmm. the, the reason this guy is asking, it must be, what if, true, play, what if it's true, man? All the clips you played of evidence that atheists still, that looms large in their head that yeah. one day they're going to stand in front of God and it's typically the Christian God that yeah. they envision. Why that is, I don't know, but it's usually the Christian God and face down the prospect of a Christian hell. So, you know, depending on the traditional view of hell. So, and it's always a traditional view. Though, you know, Chris Date would argue that he doesn't think it'd be any less terrifying to face down total annihilation, especially after you, you know, if you depends on your view of conditionalism after you spent some time uh, suffering or if it's instantaneous or, you know, whatever. I think, I think to confront God on the opposite end of it, you know, on the receiving end of his wrath is going to be terrifying regardless of what immediately follows. So if you're on the receiving end of God's wrath, no matter what kind of, uh, view of hell you hold or what you know or whatever if you're on the receiving end of the wrath during judgment it's going to be immensely terrifying yeah notice how many people are recommending trinity radio extra here and miss titus uh yeah. but 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 look here's the thing let's get to the issue though of whether this this why is this god a thug in their minds why is this god immoral oh you can hear dan barker give a whole i can think of several reasons one uh, the Richard the, Dawkins, he's the most well, the Old Testament stuff yeah. that they don't like, which understand, I, I understand it's an internal critique, but understand <coughs> that on your morality, because even though it's an internal critique, like, okay, imagining that, that the Christian God exists, these things that he's doing in the Old Testament seem to run against his character. So defined by Christians, I get that's an internal critique. However, it's not entirely an internal critique. That's the legitimate part of it, is we can have a real conversation about whether God is coherent on Christian theism. Oh, and we have however, so many videos that respond. To that. However, yeah, we do have a lot of videos on that. However, when you say all the things you say about slavery in the Old Testament and war captives and marrying, you know, people found on the battlefield and um and and all these kind of things and the genocide of the Canaanites, you don't say that like it's an internal uh 
coherence test. What you say it like, you say it with all this passion, like how dare you all believe these sorts of things. So to that end, I just want to say you do understand that from your stated morality. We played two weeks ago a clip from where Dillahunty himself says in a debate with John Ferrer, he says, if you don't think, if you're not, if you don't have the morality that I have that says you should care about my well-being and your own well-being and the well-being of human beings, then it's not true that you shouldn't suffocate me. Like, in other words, I don't have a should for you there. There's no moral principle because you're not in my moral bubble. You're in a different moral bubble. Guess what? The Old Testament folks are in a different moral bubble, and the indignation that you feel toward people who don't share humanist morality is merely you saying, I don't like that, but you can't say that is wrong. Now, those of us who believe in a meta-morality, a morality that is objective, meaning not dependent on human opinions about it, uh, we, we can say that it's wrong, that certain things are wrong. Now, as far as the Old Testament slavery and all that, I'm not doing that again. Pritchett gets upset every time that I run through that whole list and give all the apologetics for plug that because justice, we have 15 and go watch the videos. We have 15. Yeah, we have 15 videos on that. Yeah. And so just type our names in and that and you'll find it. But uh, but that's the re- so you take that and you t- and then he also doesn't like the idea that God is threatening people with hell. Well, you know what? Um, I'm going to do what I what Tim Barnett said at the Rethinking Hell conference which is, let me give you the whole spread. Despite what our particular views are, um, if you understand hell to be not eternal conscious torment, but the annihilationist understanding that Chris Tate defends, then, yeah, okay, if that was the case and you knew that, maybe you would maybe you would take death as opposed to bending the knee and worshiping God. And uh, But then you also lose with that one of the reasons you wouldn't bend the knee, namely, it's so horrible that God's going to send me to hell. Right. You know, so this thing falls apart whichever direction I try to take it in. Yet people like Dylan Hunt, you think it's so obvious that this is just obvious. Um, any, do we have any other questions? Uh, Trinity Radio Pritchett. My wife thinks you, you're mean, but I love you, brother. Subscribe to Trinity Radio Extra. I am, I can be mean. Let me say something about this, Pritchett. No, I can be mean. Pritchett Fine. has never been mean to me. Oh, I have to. No, not really. I'm serious. I have walked in to Pritchett. Can I tell this? I don't know. I don't care. I've walked into Pritchett's office when I knew that he was displeased with a decision that I had made and said, Pritchett, shut up and sit down. And he wasn't happy back at me, but I was amazed at how well this guy could take a punch. And it wasn't because I was his boss. It was because I was his friend. He is that way with everyone. He presents strong opinions stated strongly, but he is the most lovable and loyal human being you'll ever meet. I don't know anyone in my life except maybe my wife and parents that are more loyal, Pritchett, than you are. But look, well, Pritchett Prime is mean. Jonathan's a sweetie. But if if you ever pay attention, I only get that way at the level of the person that I'm addressing, right? I never, and, and Nick's whining about this. He says, I'm too nice now, but no, I, I can, I, if you're, if you're going to take it to 10, I'll take it to 12. It's just the way I am. But if you, if you don't go there, I don't go there. Pritchard prime stays, uh, inside, you know, the Hulk doesn't come out unless, unless I'm responding to someone who's just being, and, and I do that with Christians and 
uh, non-Christian. He gets angry less now that he's lost all this weight. Um, Derek Baylor says, what does it mean? No, that has to do with age. What does it mean biblically to wait in the Lord? I might need a context. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Uh, Just resting in his peace while you're waiting for something to happen, I suppose. Yeah. Something like that. Which, you know, actually we all need to learn to do that more because sometimes we want to get ahead of God uh, in our own plans and timelines for things. A.E. Numa has has been piling up the Super Chats today, so thank you so, so much. What people do you want to convert the most? My picks, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Peterson, Rhett, and Link. Um, probably, if I'm honest, I mean, I want everyone. It's, it's almost like when Christopher Hitchens asked uh, William Lane Craig in their debate, would you rather me be, become, uh, what do you say? Would you rather me main, be, remain an atheist or be a Muslim? And William Lane Craig's like, I have no preference. <laughs> the idea is I'd rather you be a Christian. It's kind of like this. I don't have a preference. I'd like all those people to become Christians. But if I'm answering honestly, probably the people I care about in my own personal life who are not Christians, selfishly, I probably want them to be saved the most. But um, ultimately, I want all of them. Now, in terms of having an impact culturally, yeah, top down, um, culturally, probably those are some good names. Yeah, yeah. It, because I think that the conversions matter, whether, you know, Rhett and Link deconversions, you know, same thing, conversion to non-Christianity, conversion to uh, culturally, cultural figures converting uh, are significant. So um, I'd say those people are good. I mean, Peterson probably wouldn't do us any good because people already hate him. People and Christians but, already love but him. Tyson or, 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 but I want him saved. Or, uh, you know, Dennett or, or one of those guys. Uh, that, that, yeah, some somebody. Well, I don't even think uh, not Cosmic Dawkins. Skeptic is da- probably more. I'd like to see Cosmic Skeptic yes. Yes. or genetically modified. Some of those guys more so than even Dawkins. Or Dawkins won't or, do us any good because he's getting old enough now that they'll probably say about him. What they said about Anthony Flew was he just got scared because he was approaching right. death. So, so some of that. these, young- some someone young and vibrant and full of life. <laughs> yeah, cosmic skeptic. Yeah, although he's famous in the YouTube world and and in some circles, but broadly famous, I, I don't know. It's a good question, honestly. Yeah. Uh, thank Sam you, Jesus. Harris. There you go. Thank he's you for that super chat. Somewhat. He's not. He's. He's not old enough to call him spry yet. A pile of poop with a face. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Miss um, Titus is glad to hear that you're loyal, Pritchett. Um, he's a teddy bear. Thank you. Uh, we're already on q and I think we did the whole rest of what I wanted to cover. Yeah. Kevin O'Connor. Thank you. Um, yeah, th- this is, we got some good questions going today. Hey, look at that. Another super chat from Benjamin Handelman. By the way, I'm not just reading the super chats. If you put question um, in all caps or something, I'll, I'll try to get to that. I am nowhere near the level of Mike Winger. Nobody on planet Earth is on the level of Mike Winger niceness. Nobody. He is the nicest man I think I've ever encountered. And he seems very, very, I'll tell you this, Even though, nicer than you, Braxton. I mean, he's just. He seems incredibly loyal. But I don't know that he would surpass you in loyalty. But nobody beats... He's just nice. He is the Mr. Rogers of our time. Did I miss another super chat from uh, Jason? I I don't... I may have. I don't know. I'm just still seeing that 100 up there. Maybe it's not right now yet. Um, Anyway, uh, 
Yeah, okay. Kevin says he has a question. We'll type away, Kevin. We're here. We're here for your answering pleasure. Um, I'd love to see Matt Dillahunty and Ben Shapiro come to Christ. I will wait and pray on that. Yeah, um, obviously. I Even in the debate that I had with Matt, I said, we got an organ over here. We can play just as I am without one plea and have an altar That's call, right. and Matt can come to Christ tonight. I mean... Uh, I hope that that happens because that would be a dramatic thing and would really um, destabilize the atheism of a lot of people, I think, because whatever they want to say, people do admire their heroes. And he has a lot of people that think of him as a hero and they would take that much more seriously than they would take it coming from even William Lane Craig or Alvin Plantinga or something. Um, Is Pritchett going to the CC conference? I think so. Yeah. So maybe maybe you'll get to see him there. Yeah. Are you going? Yeah. Thank you for that super chat. Okay, here's the question. This is going to be a hypothetical. Here we go. You ready, Pritchett? Okay. If you found out that the God of Al-Qaeda and 9-11 was the true God, do you hope that you would be able to stand up to that God and call him a moral monster, knowing full well the consequences? Okay, so the notion is I'm going to go to eternal conscious torment like fire and flames and all that sort of thing, if I don't bend the knee to the God of Al-Qaeda and 9-11, the God of Islam. Allah. Allah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would, and, and on, this, on this view then, this is, I'm saying this for the Christians in the crowd. Mm-hmm. On this view, the Christian God was a lie. Yes. If I find out that is not true, so all the, all of the things that you think I should do on the basis of believing in that God, those are all gone now. Mm-hmm. And I'm left here. Um, I'm probably, honestly, I probably would cave. I, I, I'm just being honest. I probably would cave. It doesn't matter. But it, the point is You're still that going to hell, right? You're still an infidel. They can't, yeah. you, went, you went to stand before Allah believing that, you know, Jesus and the Trinity and all that. You're going to hell. So you know yeah. you're going to hell, but did, could you call him a moral monster? No, I probably wouldn't say anything. I'd be terrified. Yeah, but here's because because it's horrible and terrifying. You're not gonna if, if you've never been terrified in your life, you don't scream and stand defiantly on your you know. No, if you're terrified, you're cowering in a corner. And there are things that can and, and we think of children being terrified, but you could be an adult and be terrified. You know, you could be a rational person who becomes terrified of something. And you, you can't say in a state of t- absolute terror that you're you're so macho enough that you could stand there and be defiant. I've been terrified. Listen, I was already in public ministry standing and speaking like on stages from the time I was 17 till I guess this was when I was like, I don't know, 2014 or something. And in 2014, just out of nowhere at a normal, you know, speaking at church, just a normal church, probably a hundred people there, 200. And I suddenly was gripped with fear about public speaking. I don't know where it came from. Don't know what it was. I think it was a standard panic attack sort of thing. 
um, you know, in my worldview, there could have been some kind of spiritual warfare there, but I was gripped with fear to the point of not being able to speak. Now, fortunately I overcame that, yeah. but if that could happen because of public speaking in the mind of a person who is a public speaker, yeah, then all law public, threatening me with eternal conscious torment death and would probably are at the top of yeah. things that people are terrified of now, but to answer and your, all law, I'll put all answer law your specific question that you asked the way you worded it. Do I hope that I would? Sure. Do I think that I would? No, no. <laughs> so, but there's a deeper thing. Now that's the answer to your question. New yeah. topic, Braxton's topic. Is that God morally defensible? No. Yeah. Is the Christian God morally defensible? I yes. think yes. Again, if you think that sounds crazy, go Google our names in those topics. Um, Please give us the views and the ad questions. Here's my question. Someone says, Drew Drake says, is there any action that the God of the Bible could commit that would make you think it wasn't worthy of worship. Like what well, could logically possible? Sure. Yeah. A absolutely. Go God pitch all the babies in the fire. Yeah. Go be go go do that Baal stuff. Ha have uh, uh, internally contradictory um, inclinations, like the God of Islam does, or. Um, uh, or, you know, t tell us that we're getting, tell us the plan of salvation and then change it at the last minute yeah. or something like that. Yeah, there are things. Yeah. Worthy of worship and being terrified are not the same thing. I mean, I, I you know, so would that make you yeah, unworthy of worship? Yeah, Miss Titus yeah. has it. Uh, she's making a different point, but how can we trust the God of 9-11 who is characterized in his own text as the great deceiver? Okay, so he's... He's merciful in some places. He's haughty in other places. He's a deceiver in some places. He's faithful in other places. I mean, th this is the kind of God that is uh, morally problematic. Yeah, and that's the most terrifying thing is you have no clue. It's the unknown. Because, I mean, reason's out the window. Logical consistency's out the window. So Do you think the fire in hell is literal? If so, doesn't that make God immoral? No, I don't think the fire in hell is literal. Do I think that it would make God immoral? No. But... Do I think it's literal? No. Actually, uh, they just released not only my speech from the Rethinking Hell Conference, and of course you can see Pritchett's from last year. Mine's awesome. But, Go um, see mine. But there's a panel discussion that just came out, I think, today with me and Paul Copan and Clay Jones and Chris Date and, and then the guy interviewing us. And about three-fourths of the way through it, I actually give a defense of the eternal conscious torment view being just for God to... I, I break down all the rethinking hills in my my thing, uh, and I, I'm not just trying to be braggy by saying it's awesome because I did have a lot of help in it. Um, nothing, you never do anything in isolation. You know, you always have uh, people bouncing ideas off of. But it's really good, so you should go watch both of our rethinking hell presentations. Yeah, but Kevin O'Connor, you're right about that. But in the same video, he also says that's what he thinks he would do. Yeah. And he has countless times said it without the caveat that that about what he hopes, I think. Yeah. So, so whereas me with all law, I'm saying, no, I'd probably cave, especially if I found out that every basis I had for my framework was wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, but I mean, would I hope I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I hope I'd, I'd do that. But, um, and, and if Dill Hunty hopes he would, that's fine. But, but I do think the deeper issue is what is, is it defensible? Yeah. Um, Justin, we were talking about could, I mean, could we, could we think of something 
that God could do. Not that he could do it or would do it, but could we think of something that we, and our, that's the question we were answering just to make sure. Justin. Thank you for that super chat. It's all fun and games till you hear Pritchett say in a creepy voice, Jonathan isn't here right now. Only Pritchett prime. <laughs> yes. But thank you for that super chat. It thank really does much. mean a lot. Um, yeah. Any other questions? Uh, did you miss my super chat? Baylor says, let's go back. I don't ever want to miss one of your super chats. Here it is. There we go. Uh, have you read Geisler's Chosen But Free? I couldn't make sense of his balance view, could you? I have read Geisler's book. It was about 10 years ago when I read it. Um, he calls it, um, if I remember correctly, um, Moderate Calvinism. Moderate Calvinism, that's right. And uh, it didn't strike me as... I, it's not a good book. I loved Norman Geisler, but that... But that it's not a I good book. I don't strike... I don't, no, I, my view is the correct view, in case anyone wonders. No, my um, view is the correct view. You don't have a different view than I have. The, yeah, I do on some things about soteriology. Yeah, as far as eternal security goes, I do. Uh, and thank you. You missed my earlier super chat. You gave me a two dollars for nothing, Derek. Ooh. I was already going to get to your super chat, but thank you. I will not intentionally miss your super chats going forward, so that you'll remind me. Very, very few, and I mean very few, books on the why Calvinism is awesome, why Calvinism is garbage, why Arminianism stinks, why Arminianism, what you should, those kinds of books, and they have all kinds, I'm making up these titles, but you know, those kinds of books, very, very few of them are even worth reading, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with them. Those aren't the kind of books you need to go to in order to figure out the soteriology stuff. Go to the, uh, the commentaries. So... That, that's where you're going to find more useful information. Manny A says, how do you read and interpret Genesis 1? The same way we've... <laughs> I was going to say something smart. I was, was going to see. My instinct was to be mean. The same way we have said in nearly every other episode for the past year. <laughs> but that's me. I'm sorry. We both I'm take sorry, Manny. That, that's, I, see, I stopped myself, but then said it anyway. We both take a literary framework view. Yes. and We so don't always agree on how we do that but broadly speaking we're both in the literary framework view well i think our our framework gets us to the same place except for he goes along with walton and heiser more about the um the, the nature of creation yeah i'm like i'm like with ip on this but but ip is a theistic evolution guy i don't go there, I'm not there. i think the genesis one is not only teaching about the creation but i also think it's a polemic against yes. the gods of egypt and perhaps other gods, but specifically the gods of Egypt. So the children of Israel would have learned a particular creation narrative when they were raised in that culture, at least been exposed to it. And Moses' point is not necessarily to, to tell you exactly on what days and all these kind of things. Rather, it's not about young earth, old earth. It's not about evolution. It's not about any of that. Right. What he's trying to, I think that what he's trying to say is, this is the God that made everything. This is the, the, the sun isn't a God. God made the sun. The moon isn't a God. God made the moon, that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's how I understand it. Um, Nick has a question. I, uh, Nick, it's, uh, it's aggregate. Okay. I, that's the view I take. That's the view I think you take. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, um, we've kind of come down to where we're running out of questions. Yeah. A.E. Numa's back again and says, uh, says, for the Shroud of Turin, just because we haven't found a natural explanation doesn't mean it's supernatural. Still weird we can't 
answer it with our tech. Yeah, that whole thing, that's what we said. I mean, we didn't come down like on any position on that other than it's baffling. So we have two uh, two episodes we did on the Shroud. Uh, very good episodes. Uh, I, I enjoyed those. I, reading about this, I, we're still kind of deep diving into that because this is baffling. I have no idea. How now, to, I'm going to use what Mike Lycona used in his debate with Matt Dillahunty, where um, he said, where Dillahunty said to him, basically, are you saying if we don't have an answer for something, the supernatural is, is fine to put there as a placeholder? And Lycona says, no. He says, what I'm saying is, if we have a phenomenon that Everything we know right now about naturalism doesn't just not explain it, but but from what we know, it is impossible that this happened. Then we're justified in presuming the supernatural. I, I don't think this is quite to the level of it's impossible that anything could explain it, only because they said that perhaps if four guys held it from every corner and dropped it onto a metal statue that looks like the figure on the shroud, for a nanosecond and pulled it off, maybe you could get something like this. So is it impossible? No, but it's highly unlikely given the naturalistic explanations. Right, that are out and, there. and I don't take like Kona's standard that you need impo- because I don't think that you should automatically rule out supernatural explanations for anything. Uh, even if you have a naturalistic explanation, that doesn't mean that there's not a supernatural explanation that supervenes it. So, because I reject the whole distinction altogether. Thank you for that super chat, Angel WVM. I think Matt would turn down Christianity if he knew it was true and then immediately regret his decision after death. Uh, yes. Um, that's that's how a lot of hard, uh, hard and hard. Wow. What a Woo-hoo. super chat. Ralph Como. Comier. Como. Come on. That's Como. Oh. I'm going to go with Como. Yeah. Thank you so much for that substantial super chat. If that it had the X, so I just, I'd think Cajun, but without the X, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, you missed one from and he says nice, and he says nice work guys thank, thank you. you thank you thank you you I missed, missed one, one from uh yeah did theology geek fitness get a shout out yet pritchett has a facebook group theology geek fitness where you can watch videos yeah. of him explaining how to work out and turn out looking like he does yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, though though our, our our friend tim stratton who i learned was in a metal band so if you join the group you can see a video of tim stratton's old metal band uh, and you can see Tim Stratton with black fingernail polish and guy liner. So it's worth joining the group just for that. Uh, we I should have grabbed the picture for you to put up. Uh, but yeah, Theology Geek Fitness, uh, it, we all encourage and motivate each other to uh, take better care of ourselves. And if you want, there are several people in the group that are going following along with a six-month program uh, of resistance band training. So. Um, Kevin O'Connor says another hypothetical assume that I'm a person who's honestly seeking the truth and I honestly don't believe in God at the moment I die I'd choose heaven if I could does God send me to hell I have no reason to think that you will escape judgment in such a situation by which I mean yes going to hell um, and I have no peace to offer you on that I wish I could but I can't so the best thing I can tell you is I think I think that uh, watching apologetics content and trying to seek the truth is a good approach. I would also pray to the God that you do not believe exists to ask him to reveal himself to you in some way, whether that be supernaturally, which is what most people obviously think I'm I'm telling them to do, but no, by, by giving you a a sense that it's true. I also think, and and you're going to consider some, not you, Kevin O'Connor, but some people will consider that I'm telling you to brainwash yourself. I'm not, but 
I, I recommend if you're not already doing this to become a part of a lively um, community of faith. That is, start going to church and become somewhat active in a church, even as an atheist. Most of your non-denominational but biblically sound churches will let you do that. They won't and let you be a member, but they'll let you. you and you can, you can. Uh, well, you don't have a membership at our church at all, but you, but you can come and you can be in that's small groups and things too. like that. And old, but you want one with old and young people. So Brett, you can really that's feel, weird if you're watching. Where you can feel like you have a sense of community, and I, I really think that 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 is an important piece of this. And here's why I say that. Because again, I don't think anyone makes big worldview decisions just on the basis of evidence. I don't believe that exists. I don't um, most Christians won't say that's what happens. Uh, most atheists will, or many atheists will say they make these decisions just on the basis of evidence. But that is to deny the human experience. There are multiple things that play into our big decisions. Some of those are personal motivations. Some of those are um, relationships. Some of those are emotional. Some of those are evidential. There's all kinds of reasons. So I say expose yourself to all of those things before discounting it. But okay. I can give you no guarantee or hope that after death there will still be a chance. Oak River has a follow-up to that. I think it's a good question. Uh, down, down, up, down, other way. Oak River, right there. Right there. I, that's a good question. What if I'm <clears throat> just not smart enough to understand the apologetics and die in non-belief? converting to Christianity has nothing to do with being smart enough or not smart enough to understand apologetics. Most people that I know came to Christ because they were preached the gospel and to this day still don't understand apologetics. Trust us, we go to church to church to church trying to teach people apologetics and many of them still don't understand it. But you know what? You know what? Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin and they repent and believe the gospel after the gospel also, there are apologetics. That, that's for, how that, don't get wrapped up in the apologetics. And there are apologetic answers for yeah. every level. For example, uh, I realize that people don't like this, but as I as as was said in the thing I just had with um, David Wood, the clip I put with me and David Wood this week, um, the Kalam is complex enough that philosophers can argue about it. But it's also you know the idea that that there's that God is the best explanation for the beginning of the universe. It also can be simple enough that both of my daughters, when they were six years old, came to me and said, Daddy, I know there's a God because if there was no God who made all this stuff. So the very idea, why is there something rather than nothing? A contingency idea like that. I mean, these things can be put very simply, and yes, they can be put on a complex level, but um, they're there. And, um, and Yeah, apologetics is to defend the Christian faith. It can be used as a part of evangelism, but evangelism is giving people the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that God has sent his son, the king of the cosmos, to come redeem for himself a people, and so that you could participate in that kingdom and be faithful and loyal to him and follow out his commands and live this life here on this earth in the light of the world and age to come in the new heavens and new earth, living with King Jesus forever in the resurrection. But until then, you faithfully obey Jesus and you live out your life in obedience to your king in participation of new creation that is inaugurated with Jesus, carried through by the church, and ultimately uh, in the new heavens and new earth after the end of time. So that's what Christianity is. And if the Holy Spirit makes you realize that you are a sinner and you're right now on the outside of that kingdom and you need to repent and believe in the king of the kingdom, 
that's what you need to do. If you think that that's bogus or you don't want to accept that, uh, okay, but there are consequences for that. Um, I don't know why Dr. Pritchett never wants me to mention you, Mr. Phil Fox, but thank you so much for that incredible super chat. Thank you so much. Please keep up the amazing work and content. I've been blessed, brothers. Thank you so gosh, that is and just go subscribe to a his dramatic channel. super chat. And thank not so because much. his channel was good before I got there. So so go subscribe to his channel. But if you want to hear me rant about Calvinism for close to what, three and a half hours? There's two videos up there. It's uh, me ranting about Calvinism. Did I miss another Baylor super chat? He says that I did. Or was that the but same one that I thought that I got? Oh, here we go. He says, I like sending super chats. Leighton Flowers missed three of mine in one broadcast. So here's another for being thorough. Thank you. All right. Thank you. See, if you stop giving them to Leighton and just keep giving them to us, we'll, we'll never miss them. Now, uh, Oak River came back and said, okay, skip the apologetics part of my question. Does God have an IQ cutoff? Yes, I believe so. People who have mental disabilities, like severe mental disabilities, uh, or children, for example. That's not really an IQ issue, but it is um, a cognition issue. Um, <coughs> I, I don't. I I believe God judges people on the light that's available to them, and I don't believe that God sends mentally handicapped people to hell. I believe that it's kind of like an age of accountability type thing. Um, but uh, that said, for people that that have, what's the average IQ? I think it's a hundred. I think Let's that's say the above average. seventy. Yeah, that above you can understand 70, the gospel. Like I don't know where the IQ cutoff is, but I do think. No, God I'm just knows. saying if you can if you can grasp the basic concepts of the gospel and then decide you're either you yes know what it takes. No, you know what it takes. Do you know what sin is and that you're a sinner? Do you understand who Jesus is and that Jesus died for your sins? Are you willing to repent and turn from your life without Jesus to a life with Jesus, i.e., turn from your sins as best you and can? And believe that God raised you. You're from still going and believe that God raised. Him. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes going forward. We all do. You don't become. You don't live sinless. But you're, you're committing to that. Um, that's what it takes. Now, if what you mean there is someone of that caliber understands that, but they don't believe it and don't find themselves able to believe it, um, I don't think that's an IQ-related issue because, again, I think apologetics that's a is available problem. at even that level. It's not an IQ level. problem. That's a sin problem that you have. You love your sin instead of recognizing that you are a creation of God in rebellion <laughs> and ignoring <laughs> the sacrifice that he sent his son to set this world aright, including those who would believe in him. New Testament theologist says, what should my next YouTube series focus on? Just did entire sanctification. Got two for you. One you won't like, because I'm sure you're doing New Testament stuff, but I would like to see a survey of the various approaches to what we call the atrocities of the Old Testament. That is Greg Boyd, Peter Enns, uh, Paul Copan, uh, you know, other people. No, that's, that, his that house. Uh, her, that's a hermeneutic. I'd like, he I'd like it. to see a do survey. The hermeneutic survey. I'd like something that I could point people to on that. Secondly, what I, if you're not going to do that, something new Testament related, I would like to see a synthesis and explanation of the consistency between Paul and Jesus when it comes to the gospel or when it comes to their teaching in general about the gospel broadly, the kingdom. broadly Paul gospel, the gospel is about the kingdom and, yeah. and salvation and all those kind of things. So that's what I'd like to see. Now go do that for me. Those please. are good. I'd like to see you try to defend this physicalism business. Yeah. That's false. Um, okay, well, I, I got to tell you, I said this a moment ago, but I think maybe we need to go ahead and wrap things up because sooner or later, Mike Winger is going to start. And when he does, about 30% of our audience is going to go. 
anyway. Just so, 30%? I'd say it's higher than <laughs> No, we actually hang in there pretty good when he starts. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so. Yeah, I think, I think we reached the end of the question. All right. Well, you know what that means? That means it's time to turn on our trendy music. Yep. Man, we got seven thumbs down before the video ends. It's I love God's it. God's perfect number. I love it. <laughs> And we did get the one before it started, so that's that. I'm, I was pleased about that. I'm always happy to get that one. I'm disappointed when we don't get the thumbs down. Please share our content. Please help us grow. I believe that God's doing something through what we're doing here, despite our foolishness. And so I would love it if you would help us out by uh, pushing our stuff out there and getting people to subscribe. And if you haven't subscribed, then what's wrong with you? Same. You're obviously still here. All 146 of you. And go check out everyone that we said to check out in this video. And subscribe to the channel as well. Yep. And with that, we'll see you next time. Wait, wait, wait. Don't do it yet. No? Okay, go ahead. The one time I get to do it? Go ahead. No, go ahead. And we'll see you next time on Trinity. <laughs>